So what are your plans then for the rest of the week or two here, you guys? So what are we talking about? I don't know. I'm just rambling now. Nice. What I'm are like, your plans for the week? I, wanna, I need to get to, we need to, get to 30 not just... minutes. We're struggling for content. No, <laughs> we're good. We're going to 30 minutes. All right. So I'm going to start eating snacks in a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do snacks on the show. You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. This is the theme after the the theme. theme. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to have to add this in, but it's fine. There's like a little intro outro that's built in with the program that we use to record. My name is KJ. I am one of your hosts. With me are Nathan and Patrick. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great on this theme. Yeah, I know. I've always wanted a theme music while I just do random things. It dies out so quickly. (laughs) When I'm doing stuff, I'm playing theme music in my head. Like I that's have like clear that's literally my I favorite thing of the Emperor's New Groove when Krunk is like spying oh, yeah. around and he's yeah, just yeah. singing his own theme music and then the passerby <laughs> comes by and he just hangs up against the wall. There's even a Family Guy episode where Peter gets his own theme music. Oh yeah, that's a great one. It's one of his wishes. Yeah, and then yeah, he gets into a fight. Yeah, do a whole thing. Great. Yeah, I. One of my favorite things to do is drive at night or really early in the morning and put on just an instrumental like movie soundtrack, like the Martian oh, yeah. soundtrack. So I moved back from San Diego. I left at like three in the morning and put on just this really atmospheric, just maybe something tense, like what you're hearing but now. Like, yeah, a little <laughs> bit like this, a little bit like what you're hearing now. Um, this is called dramatic piano. And you just get zoned in when you're driving. Yeah. It's great. That's like the theme. It's the theme for driving, and then, and then you're driving off a cliff. Yeah. Well, that's if you're that's if you're listening to a, a Mark Mothersbaugh uh, a compilation, a score like from the Life Aquatic. He's got. Oh some man, great I just got rid of the drum. Dang it! Dang it! That's a bummer. KJ and his toys. How are you guys doing? We are. This is the theme. A solo show for today. Oh my gosh. He scores! <laughs> one day I'll get a real soundboard. It'll be amazing. I like this one. I like the basics. <laughs> Take it back to the basics. We're two minutes in and people don't even know what we're doing. They, well, know, tell what them, they know what we're doing. <laughs> well, technically, it's in the intro. I know you guys gave me crap about this last time, how we keep reiterating what we're doing and, and that people may be listening or maybe listening for the first time. But, Wait, what uh, are we doing? <clears throat> we, we are doing a podcast. We are three Korean adoptee American individuals, cis males, Midwestern grown. I would not call myself the Midwestern grown. Yeah, How like dare grown. you? Raised say, in the Midwest. How raised. dare you? I wouldn't have, wouldn't even say that. Not he even raised. Brave. No, I, not raised. I don't oh. think of he Dallas, think of Dallas, as, Dallas Midwest. as the Midwest. Oh, or Southwest for you. sure, sure, sure. Okay, that's fine. So Southwest, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. South and Midwest. I'll allow it. I have this argument with Katie all the time about where Louisville is. Uh, I call it a, pe- a part of the Midwest, but she is very adamant. It's the South, and most people on Instagram agree with her. So, <laughs> I mean, I would, yeah, I didn't. I think we got into this on her episode, but just like <laughs> yeah, anything in Kentucky, really yeah, we did. That's just the South. Yeah, so. as soon as you hit, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, you're just gonna lose every time. It's Sorry, fine. man. I and then I also live next to another Louisville, which is actually called Louisville here. Yeah, good. <laughs> so is it spelled actually, like L E W? Spelled the exact same. No, mm. it's spelled the same. It's okay. just it's mess, it messes with my pronunciation. So, yeah, that would be funny if it was the L E W spelling, but it was pronounced Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Louisville. Do we just get canceled by the Louisville people? <laughs> what are we talking about today? We're we're talking about some really fun light stuff, namely uh, adoption trauma and the Adoptee Citizenship Act slash here. OK, wait, actually, here's a question. I know that, Patrick, you've been posting about this and talking like it's broadly, maybe generally known as the Adoption Adoptee Citizenship Act, ACA. Um, is that just because like historically that's how it is? Because right now it's like a an addendum clause on the Compete Act. Is that accurate? 
Uh, yeah, so it's an amendment to the Competes Act. Um, oh, yeah, that's so what they're called in, in, in twenty third. So like, brief history. In 2013, the House introduced an amendment to another bill called the Citizenship for Lawful Adoptee Act. So Citizenship for Lawful Adoptees Act. That did not end up passing. And then in 2015, uh, and then every year since, there has been a bill introduced called the Adoptee Citizenship Act. Gotcha. So that's where that name comes from. Okay. So it's the same thing, but this time it's an addendum to kind of a greater thing. Amendment. Yeah, I think it's an amendment. Freaking. Yeah, I'm pretty sure freaking it's Freaking whatever. <laughs> Because the original one was the Child Citizenship Act, right? Uh, yeah, 2000, that was the original legislation passed, um, which granted intercountry adoptees with citizenship. It was originally, I think this is disputed, but originally in my research, it was it's supposed to include everybody. So not just people who were under the age of 18 when the bill got enacted. However, um, once the bill was enacted in 2001, a few months later, there were a number of legal challenges trying to claim citizenship under the Child Citizenship Act. And in multiple court rulings, the Board of Immigration Appeals sided with essentially the Immigration and Naturalization Service because they put in the date that you had to be born after February 27th, 1983 in order to receive it, citizenship. So gotcha. that's a little, that might, I don't know. I'm, I've, I found that just in all the work that I was doing with rise, but, um, that's really not important. So I'm probably just cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. But what I'm hearing you say is it, you, it was supposed to include everybody. And then America was like, well, by everybody, what we really mean is exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, if you go back and look at the the testimony, the congressional record, like the senators who introduced this, uh, William Delahunt and Samuel Lamar, I believe is his name. Sam Lamar. Man, your gears are turning so hard. I appreciate this. They both mentioned adoptees who had been deported uh, because of certain crimes because they did not get they did not have citizenship yet. And so there's a whole thing like adoptees can still claim citizenship, but they have to go through the entire process of proving their adoption was finalized and then getting uh, a green card. So getting legal permanent resident status and then waiting a specific amount of time, anywhere from five to 10 years to be able to apply for naturalization to then become an actual full citizen of the United States. So that's that's the biggest problem is there's so much backlog through that system right now and they're all and there has been and the fact is like it's getting clogged up with tens of thousands of people who shouldn't be there in the first place like it's not that this infants and children they didn't have the choice to say yeah let me get my citizenship status please let me fill these these this also they're not going to be like oh yeah let me just apply for my green card exactly like, how about i learn how to walk first exactly and that's the thing too and that's the other side of this is that many adoptees don't find out that they ha- they're about their citizenship status until later in life when potentially it's like called into question exactly and so on top of like this already yeah that's yeah, exactly. I heard some people like when they applied for like passports or or you know couldn't get back into the country for some reason or yeah but you can't vote you can't have health insurance because you're undocumented a lot of people really struggle holding like a steady job um if you weren't like not grandfathered in. I don't know what the appropriate term is, but like if you don't, if you weren't like, I feel in like the, cell phone in terminology job, is appropriate here. Yeah. I feel like if you weren't in this job and then like worked your way through the same system to like increase your income and, and whatever the case is, like it's really difficult for you, especially once your, your citizenship status is found out or you become aware of it because employers are quick to say no. Oh, and, then, and then you're not going to yeah, be able to get, right. you know, you're not going to be able to apply for like Medicare or Medicaid or mm-hmm. any of these other services. So. It's a it's it's a really tough situation. And especially if you get deported, like that's yep. the ultimate worst situation because you're going yeah. back to somewhere that you don't have any memory of. You almost you're almost assuredly aren't speaking the language and definitely probably not fluently. You may have a family. Exactly. Right, you don't yeah. have anybody yeah. over there. Probably have no one there that you've connected with before who's like ready to take you in and ready to like here you go, help you get on your feet and like do your thing until you can either come back to the States if that's even a possibility, which for many it's really not, or you make your own, your new life over there. And for some people it's tough. Like not everybody makes it. The Philip Clay is a specific Korean adoptee who committed suicide after he had been deported for like, I think it was like 10 years. 
or maybe I don't know if it was 10 years, it might have been like six or seven. I'll have to look that up. So fact check me, everyone. But uh, yeah, just because he <clears throat> struggled with his mental health, just struggled to exist and didn't mm-hmm. have the support over there, couldn't speak the language, couldn't find stability. And that happened. We know that mental health and suicide are two things that go hand in hand with adoption, unfortunately. Like something yeah. I hate to say, but it's the truth. I can't even imagine going to a country to try, you know, being deported there and then trying to find a job, find a place to live, find um, anything. Any type of support. support I mean, like yeah. even exactly. you and I just moved to a place where our parents are yeah. and it's still hard to find support. Yeah. I'm just like, exactly. I mean, like I have my, my family at least, but like it's hard being an adult and moving within a country where I know the language and I know the culture and I literally have some support, but like trying to grow that is so difficult. I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like, especially, I mean, it's not like, it's not like Korean adoptees are being deported necessarily straight back to Korea. Right. I mean, it's like maybe they go and get deported to to somewhere else and you're like, Oh, so now I have to like, I literally have no ties to this place. Right. Well, no, they'll get deported back to their country of origin. So if you get deported, you go like wherever it is that you were adopted from. And Mm -hmm. so uh, you are kind of right though. If they don't have, uh, if there's no paperwork for them to go off of, and there's no record kept even at the federal level that says this is where you're from, they'll make their best guess and send you there. Um, so, and that's happened. I can't. I I can think of one case where I'm pretty sure that is the situation uh, that it happened. That they just made their best guess, and that country didn't even want. They were like, we don't have any record of this person. Yeah, don't leave him here, and they left him there. <laughs> And he's been there and he's been there since like 2017, I think. So Jeez. it's just absolutely it's it's disgusting, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, that we allow this to happen. But is it is it bad if I say that sounds like typically American where we're like, America is for everybody. We're going to do things for everybody. And like, oh, actually, there's a large gate. And if you don't fit what we think that you should fit into, then get out of here. We hate you. Yeah, it's like it's like asking it's like telling somebody, "Hey, you're going to run the 100 meter dash, but you really put them in the 110 high hurdles, but the <laughs> hurdles are as high as they possibly can be." And then there's no way, I mean, the, almost the hurdles are 6 feet yeah, of concrete. Exactly. <laughs> and you could finish by stumbling over every single hurdle. You can still finish the race. You can still make it to the end, but a lot of people don't make it to the end. And I hate I just came up with that metaphor out of the top of my head, uh, but I it's hate that, solid, it's a meta- that that it's, it's a thing because it is just like insurmountable barrier after insurmountable barrier. And the people who are, are lucky enough and find support in some way can make it all over all 11 of those and get to the end. But so many people don't. They fall off. Yeah. And there potentially thousands are going through this. Some of them who don't even know that they're going through this. A hundred percent. And that's yeah. the thing, too, like. Uh, some organizations have shown <laughs> that they're estimating that the, uh, 60,000 people could be affected by this uh, into 2020 or 2033. And so mm-hmm. those are estimates because it's really hard to get hard numbers on intercountry adoptions, specifically ones who don't have an adoption that's finalized either in the country of origin or after they've come to the States. And that's the thing. Like there's certain adoptees who are probably not going to be covered in this bill specifically because of a, a visa issue. And that go, and then that goes into immigration as a broad as like a, a more broadly wide reaching thing. And that's a whole nother can of worms. So even after we get the adoptee citizenship back through, like we're going to have to go back to the table and keep fighting because there's more people in our community that are suffering, that are hurting, uh, who need help, who need representation. Because when you don't when you don't know your status and I'm any uh, any uh, person who is undocumented would be able to say this, I, I'm, I would think um, it's hard to be public about yourself and put yourself out there like you're risking literally life and limb to make yourself known to the world because unfortunately, America will come for you. America yeah. will yeah. come for you. will come find where you are and do whatever they can to send you away. Because yeah. I would be super scared if I was like, yeah. didn't know the final, you know, uh, like, oh, I have iffy paperwork. Let me go check on that. And, you know, with the government like, uh, just to see. Right? Yeah. That's, that that's like my that. friend who had like a yeah. warrant out for his arrest. Oh, I'm sorry. He had a ticket that he <laughs> saw did not get cashed. Like, Bro. Yeah. He paid for the ticket. So he goes into the police department to pay for the ticket. 
they say, oh, you didn't pay for this ticket and there's a warrant out for your arrest because you also didn't show up for the court date. And they arrested him right then and there because oh, he was going in to pay for it. He was going in to check on the status, but they arrested him and threw him in jail right then and there. And yeah, so, it's basically that, but like a billion times worse. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, well, I, and I then would, like the oh. other thing is like they're not only are they have to live with that fear of like being deported um and then being found out, but they're also they still have to live their lives and build lives. So a mm-hmm. lot of people, a lot of adoptees that who are impacted have families, have wives or have spouses, have children. You right. know, and it's like, yeah, it's not just them risking their own life and limb. It literally like cuts off support for the people that they care about and the people in their families that like they may be, you know, like one of the main avenues of support. Like they've built a family here unknowingly, maybe, or like trying to do the best that they can. And then you immediately like, oh, well, that is all out the window and you're deported now. And yeah, just like it's such a huge disruption to the whole family unit. Exactly. Regardless of, yeah, that's. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And that's the, at the end of the day, this and that's why at the end of the day we talk about. So like the the bill itself and the like the act has bipartisan support. It always has. But I, I mean, the way I think about it is it's not bipartisan. It's about humanity. And at the end of the day, we can think about each individual who is affected, who's impacted by this. Um, and they are the most marginalized of this group and need to be centered. But they also have people in their orbit who are directly affected by what happens to them because yep. of their citizenship status. And mm-hmm. so like it, like this is, this is an issue that affects everyone. It affects everybody because it affects, it affects individuals. It affects family units. It affects communities, businesses. Like there are so many waves, so many ripples that come out of this that could be solved in a, in a pen stroke in a pen stroke. That's the thing. That's why it sucks that this is like not, this has been attached as an amendment. It's great. It's great to go and see this progress and moving forward, but just to pass it as standalone legislation, like this should be, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. But again, like as any adoptee can tell you, we don't talk about adoptee stuff, like the negative, the, the traumatic parts of adoption. We don't talk about that in the general, in the public discourse. And so people don't know about this issue. People don't know that this is something that's affecting people. And when stuff comes out about it, like it becomes divisive. That's the other thing. This is a divisive concept as well for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's simple. It's and it's a simple fix. And I'm just really, I'm using my privilege and, and I feel very privileged to be able to step into this work and, and do whatever I can to help. And especially to build on the foundations of people and organizations like NACASEC or like Adoptees for Justice or Adoptee Rights Campaign, Adoptee Rights Law, a lot of adoptee, a lot of adoptee names. Adoptee fill in the blank. Um, Yes. Yeah. Organizations. But because they've been they've been doing this since 2013, since 2014. And like we see you see progress every year. You can see every iteration of the bill get more support. But at the end of the day, there's not been even a a one step forward movement like we saw on the fourth when this passed with the competes act. So Mm -hmm. like if that's if that's the way we got to go forward, then that's the way we got to do it. But this issue needs to be fixed now. We can't wait longer and longer and have more and more people affected by this issue, more and more people within those people's sphere of influence affected by this issue uh, when we could fix it easily. But we can easily right. fix it. It's time well, to do Well, that's that. the thing too is like, it, you know, if it's that 110 meter hurdle and the hurdles are six feet of concrete, then like we, it may be ridiculous for us to assume that we can knock out all of the hurdles on the track, but we can at least get one. And then like after we make one, then we hit the next one and then we mm-hmm. hit the next one and then we hit the next one. Like it's so frustrating that like, I don't uh, to me, it feels like there is no clean win in politics and there is no clean win honestly as long as you're dealing with humans but like just because it's not the cleanest win doesn't mean we shouldn't still go for the win and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't still knock down at least one of those things you know like like let's move if if it takes passing as an amendment to the competes act and then we go back again for the visas or whatever then like let's do that like let's put in the work like we got to be in it for the long haul because like somebody was in it for the long haul for us and um, that's just like a matter of like, of paying it forward in a matter of not just for ourselves, but for the people that we, that, that we do know, the people that we don't know, like 
I think the reason that we see so many adoptee fill in the blank organizations <laughs> about this is because like adoptees are the ones who have to stand up and represent for themselves and it's unfair and it shouldn't be like that, but like that just is how it is. And so like, we got to go at this with gusto and really, I think, uh, get the word out, you know, and it takes, it takes people being brave and explaining and being brave and just talking about some really hard things in their life, uh, to get that awareness out there and then like to get some traction behind it because it can't, as much as we want it to be, it also can't just be us. Like we need exactly. help. We need we more need help allies, and we need, yeah. yeah, exactly. More support. Um, you and know, we need not- the visibility, which Patrick, I commend you for getting your article in the Forbes, okay. uh, <laughs> the Forbes. I don't know. Yeah, it's no, I mean, it's no honestly, longer Yahoo News, Patrick. Yeah, it's, it's not Yahoo, Patrick. Patrick. Now you're Forbes, Patrick. And <laughs> My head. Uh, that, no, I know you can have as big of a head as you want, <laughs> as long as it's doing good, which it is definitely doing. So, uh, uh, congrats on that. But. <laughs> congrats. That does have to be in there. You got to put that in. Um, well, I appreciate that. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not doing this work because I need citizenship. You know, I'm doing it because I've read enough stories. I've talked to enough impacted people in the community to know that this is, well, for lack of a better word, fucked up. And we got to get this fixed because people are suffering. People are out here literally dying. And it's not about my name being associated with any of this. It's about when are we going to get this bill passed? And when are we going to start getting these people back home? When are we going to start getting them security and stability in their own lives? That's the prize my eyes is set on. When we get this passed and we see the president sign it into, into law, and then we see people start getting their or certificates of citizenship um, in their hands, and we see some of these deported adoptees, some of our, some of our community members coming home. Do you think they would form like a committee once that happens too to help out with all the potential thousands of people, you know, 50, 60 thousands of people that this could affect? I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I think that they would probably so for deported adoptees, they might uh, do something because there's for deported adoptees, you have to go through a couple extra steps uh, to make sure for them to be like, we can verify you to come back to America now, which is still stupid. But for everybody else, I think what it's going to do is going to clear a lot of the them out of the 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 main backlog of like uh, LPRs and naturalization. Now, all they'll have to do is apply for their certificate of citizenship and what they'll need to do with that. If and I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is what they'll need. They'll need to prove that their adoption was finalized, whether it be in um, in the U.S. or in their country of origin. Um, And then. Uh, they'll be able to send that information off and then they should be able, as long as they can pay for the certificate of citizenship, again, stupid, um, they'll be able to receive that. So I don't think there'll be any oversight in that regard. Um, I think and I think for deported adoptees, maybe, uh, just because of those extra steps. I think for people who may not have that specific information on hand like they are going to have to go through adoption agencies and Mm -hmm. whoever to try and get a hold of that so not to say when the bill is passed everyone's out of the woods or like everybody now has that like in their hands because they could still come up to you roll up and say hey i don't know or whatever and um so there's still obviously work to do but adoptees for justice i know um, and adoptee rights campaign both have helped impacted adoptees work towards their citizenship through this method uh, before any of these laws have been passed. And once they do pass, I know that they'll be still helping impacted adoptees obtain that. So mm-hmm. uh, there are going to be resources. There is going to be support out there um, once this bill does pass, and it yeah. will so pass. That's pr- probably a good idea. I mean, for anybody, like you say, get the paperwork. And luckily, you know, some of the bigger companies that uh, adoption companies out there are still around, but there's probably a handful of the smaller ones that are not you know, around anymore. And so there's probably some people who don't have any documentation. I don't know if it's a good thing to just in general, have your adoption paperwork somewhere. I don't even think I know where mine is, to be honest, actually. Um, so if I was like, you know, in that situation and, and I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. I need to go find my adoption paperwork. I actually probably would be included in that um, that group of like, well, now I got to go back to my adoption agency. Now I got to contact them and this and that. So sure, um, might be a good idea to get, you know, get that record uh, sooner than later before there's like a huge rush too. But 
Yeah. And I mean, there'll be people out there. There are going to be organizations out there that'll help with that as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think what, I mean, obviously planning for the best, uh, and trying to get out ahead of that in terms of a paperwork situation. Um, I, that's the other thing too. I mean, (laughs) it's, you think about just all the different ways adoption, like all the different areas of adoption and like the system and and the practice of adoption that you have to be like, you don't realize you're going to need that probably in the future at some point, whether it's you're impacted and you need to go to them for paperwork or you're going on a birth search and you need to go for them for paperwork or just like connecting you with the appropriate people, whatever the case is like, it's like you're inextricably linked to the system now. And like you at some point, I mean, you can get away with never having any more contact with them, but at some point, um, especially when you start to go on your own journey, if that's something that falls within, uh, within your path, then you probably will have to reconnect in some way with that system. And that kind of sucks. Yeah. Yep. It's like, <laughs> I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully our parents have good records and things like that as well. But at the same time, it's, it's not always the case. And, yeah. and, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, that, I can't even imagine that's, uh, the paperwork is definitely, it's tough, but that's obstacle. what we're out here doing. That's why we're out here right. fighting while we're having this conversation because people need to know about it. And there are wins. There is progress. And like I said, February 4th is historic because this has not happened for this community part of our community yet. Uh, we've not, we've never seen it pass out of any chamber, either chamber. And now we sit on the cusp of an even more historic win by getting it passed. And so just again, like KJ said, you know, amplifying, continuing to share, continuing to spread the word. Like that's the best thing that we can do is get the word out there about this, about this happening uh, and gain as much support as possible so we can put pressure on the Senate, on all of our congressional members as they meet to reconcile this competes act. Because if they if they decide, hey, we're going to keep the Adoptee Citizenship Act in the final bill and send it off, we shouldn't really even have to pass it through the Senate. Like we can yeah. skip a whole step. That's historic. There is reason for optimism and there is ample reason for hope. So I don't want to say and like talk about all of this issue uh, without saying that There is a lot of hope, uh, especially this year. And I think we are going to see some great things happen, you know, and we can't expect it to just happen. We do have to we have to fight for it. But, you know, I feel I feel personally very confident in it. And I feel really confident in the people that are doing the work, too, in these organizations. So um, keep your heads up. We're going to we're going to get it done. Yeah. Keep pressing. Keep fighting. Uh, If you haven't, you can go sign the petition, uh, which is linked in the John Chi Show Instagram link and bio business, um, I mean that that obviously helps. Yeah, talking to your senators. Um, yeah, thanks. I mean, thanks for a for doing the work. B for uh, like extra doing the work of not just originally doing the work, but then like being able to show your receipts and just spitting out all that information. I can tell how passionate you are because it's not like you have a document open um, where you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, these are all these are my talking points or anything like that. Like like you have lived and breathed this and like this is stuff that you know that I can tell that you care passionately about. Um, and like while I am more than happy to support, I'm not necessarily one to, to lead the charge. And so um, I'm grateful to have people like you in my life um, who are passionate about things that I also care about and like who are willing to, to be out there and lead the charge. So um, yeah, so thanks for for helping enlighten me um, and bringing not just like what we need to do next, but kind of the history of it and how it affects really all of us. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And then we come back, we're going to talk about another really fun, lighthearted thing, adoption trauma. Okay, we're back. I did it. Uh, this is the that. first time. This is the transition. first time where I decided to just do this all in house. It makes it feel I, like a live show. Sure, it does. <laughs> I like mean, yeah. Live. So, yeah. Um, so we're you know we've been doing the show for over a year, and we have just been thinking about what the show needs to be and how we want to um, continue to to dig into, you know, we talk about digging into our Korean American adoptee identities uh, in all those intersectionalities. And I think just kind of in, in our off-air conversations, we realized we wanted to be a little bit more brave, uh, wanted to be a little bit more introspective in these solos um, where we're not 
necessarily amplifying a new adoptee's voice, but really digging into our own stories and trying to find um, some language around our own experiences in in a way that maybe it will help somebody else. Because um, again, just like uh, advocating for social justice issues that do affect all of us is not necessarily everyone's cup of tea. Uh, we realize that sharing people's stories or sharing your own story may not be your cup of tea, and yet uh, our stories. Uh, for as unique as they are, all have common threads. And one of those common threads is that we were all adopted. Um, <laughs> and I just... Maybe the most common. <laughs> maybe the most common. I don't know. There's probably some more common things That's that we true. have, That's but true. May- maybe the most. <laughs> um, I have black hair. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's a hot take. Interesting. Are you saying you also have a nose? <laughs> um, yeah, so this is an interesting one because... It's not a thing that it's like a th- this has been a topic that I've like kind of been afraid to get into personally. It's been a topic that I have been afraid to research into because like uh, I don't know what the old colloquialism is, but like you know I don't want to. It's like it's like a version of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, right. I was like I don't know that I necessarily want to go digging for trauma in my past, even if it exists. I don't feel like it is strong enough that it's negatively affecting me and maybe that's just the the privilege of naivety um and maybe oh wait is it night do you say naivety naivete or naivete naivete (laughs) right i I don't think i've ever used that version of of that word of naivete yeah i'm pretty sure Uh, that's how you do it i don't know naivety yeah naivety I don't yeah. know about yeah. that version. Yeah, that's I, I, I literally just it. said it. I was naive. Yeah, I was oh, say, I'm naive, but yeah. I'm naivety. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I feel like naive. Not to throw naivety. shade on anyone who says it like this, but when it comes out of my mouth, if I say naivete, I just feel gross. And then if I <laughs> if I truncate it and just say naivete, I'm like, who who are you? And so, Naivish. Yeah, anyway. sure. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it might just be me being my me being naive. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't necessarily want to go looking for that, but without doing any further examination, um Nathan, have you thought about adoption trauma and whether or not it like really deeply affects you? Just like kind of you, what's your initial gut reaction to that question? Well, it's funny because I I talked a little bit about it last November on my Instagram. Um but some of the things that I, it's funny because I I like you said you have to you don't want to open the door to potentially finding, I guess, more trauma by, by digging because you don't, I mean, why would you want to go looking for it in, in, you know, in that uh, thing, but every once in a while something happens and I think like I connect it, I go, Oh, I wonder if this is, you know, because I was a doctor because I am lacking something somewhere or because I had these experiences when I was younger over the last few years of, of, you know, being more aware in the adoptee space and my own, uh, you know, adoption and everything. I, I feel like I am connecting more things now because of that. Um, I'm more aware. I'm more, you know, like, is it out of the fog? Um, and so that I think is, is one of the things, I mean, is that kind of answer your question? I, I don't dig for it, but every once in a while I relate it to something that happens and I go, Oh, I wonder if this is why I'm like this. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I don't know. I just wanted to see because like, yeah, I, I just like, I'm like, oh, man, maybe. I don't know. I just I really don't think about the actual like historical event of my adoption and mm-hmm. what emotionally would come out of that, you know, from there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be I fair, know. I don't feel I am overly. um stricken with grief and trauma um you know so that but at the same time i found more of it after being in reunion with my family that really is where i when i talked about trauma uh, on my instagram that's the direction that i came from is that i felt that there was more trauma in my biological family than there was in myself seeing Mm. that they knew about me for the last 40 years and were looking for me and could never find me. And then my parents passed away and then they still couldn't find me. And then all of a sudden they found me. I feel like they had more trauma because it was like, you know, they knew more than, than I knew at the time. And so, um, and not only that, they, uh, like I said, my oldest sister was, uh, was very, 
um, you know, when we first met was very emotional. And I can only assume some of that was based on the fact that, um, she just, you know, felt bad, maybe some guilt or maybe some, um, you know, some old feelings were popping back up, uh, that when I was given away, because she would probably be one of the only ones that really remembered me, um, not coming home after the, the, the birthing center. So Patrick, what about you? So I definitely think that, uh, over the, especially this past year and a half, two years have been unpacking what that means, like trauma and adoption. And specifically for me, the way it's affected me and has been through abandonment and like attachment trauma. So when I first arrived in America and my adoptive family picked me up, um, I guess I cried a whole bunch, continued to cry. Mm -hmm. And never and really, still cry. oh, I still cry. Um, I never really thought about that though, growing up, but like I was super attached to my parents and my mom in particular. And like, I remember when I was younger. So before I was, before I was 10, probably, or maybe a little after 10, um, whenever my, I would be home alone, my, and my parents would be like, all right, I'll be home at seven. If they weren't home right at seven, I was freaking out. And so I would like stand at the window. I remember standing at the window and we lived in a country. So there's few cars coming down the road. And I remember just standing there and every car just being like, and every time it wasn't my parents oh, no. freaking out. And like, I never, I don't think I ever actually got over that. I think I just pushed it down inside me. And like at a certain, like in teenager, and when I was a teenager, like I was really more rebellious and wasn't always super great. Um, and I think it was because I was so felt so attached and needed to be attached to my family. Like I put, I was trying to push away from them because of that. And I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of and uh, whatever. But um, I think that also, so that was like the abandonment side of it and a little bit of attachment, but like attachment issues have definitely shown up in my relationships um being where i get overly attached immediately um and it's it, pretty much in every one of the relationships i've been in um and that's been really difficult and i never and i always thought it was difficult on me and it was but i also was because i was not resolving this because i was not confronting it walking with it working through it I was also causing a lot of harm to my partners and, and anybody else and pro people around me in my orbit at that time, because I didn't know, I didn't know how to healthily be in a relationship um, in a way that was like productive for both parties. And also was like, it, it wasn't based on the fear of being left alone again. And so for me, like meeting Emily even before doing all of this was it really helped me because she was not it wasn't like it wasn't like immediately like she was all about me being super attached you know we worked up to that and like granted i took she'll tell you i took like 800 dates before i even made the first move and planted a kiss on her um and, <laughs> 800 uh, dates. yeah and she's like yeah. i wonder 800 I like, dates a like, summer i don't know why this guy is not making this move um, it's because I was like, I was trying to not be trying to not be so attached, you know? And, um, and that, and it was like, and that was, you know, I went too far in the other direction. And so trauma for, from adoption for me is, is that's the way it's shown up. And I only have now just started to unpack and understand that over the last couple of years, because we've done this show because I've met other adoptees who are like, who can put names and articulate and give me language to say, Oh, that's what that was. I had no idea that's what that was. I, I've been the same with relationship. I've always been really slow, I guess, and shy, I think. But yet I feel emotionally attached quickly at the beginning where right. I'm like, like, for example, I've never dated more than one person at the same time. You know how, you <laughs> wait, know, wait, wait, wait. You know, a lot of people who just <laughs> date multiple people at the same time. And then they pick the best one. Okay. Yeah. Whoever whoever is advancing the quickest or whoever calls them the, the most. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. That's really Perfect. funny. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. All right. I guess I guess I can see where you're coming from. I do know people like that, but I guess like, first I was caught off guard. I was like, wait a minute, what? I'm not saying in a relationship, I'm saying yeah, dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, get yeah, you. Yeah. I get you. I get you. 
No, that's really funny. But I mean, I do want to give props to Emily again. I mean, I always take time to shout my wife out, but um, she has she really was like the rock for me to work through some of this because she was there before I started to unpack like my identity mm-hmm. and like the trauma associated with adoption. So when it was manifesting in ways that were not great, like she stuck by me and supported me in that when I had no yeah. idea why I was acting this way and like continuing to do some of the things that I had done in the past because um, I was not dealing with it. I wasn't coming to terms with it. And she, she has stuck in there, supported me and, and helped me to get to the point I'm at now. And I wouldn't, I mean, I want to say I wouldn't be there without her, but I don't, I would definitely not be here as, as soon as I've been here. Cause I don't even know without her, if I would have been able to do go on this journey. You know, I don't know if I would have taken those steps without her. So shout out, Emily. Yay. We love you, Emily. Where's the romantic uh, soundtrack in the back of that one, KJ? Well, I didn't want to, like, take away from the moment with this joke piano. Oh, that would have been good. It's like like romantic. No, it's like not. That's when you see the door open behind me and she comes in. And then we that's just when, turn that's and when you just kiss. No, that's when, yeah, when you're running down the street and it's, it's raining, raining yeah, and you don't raining. have an umbrella because apparently no one has, no one likes, you know how everybody likes a, a sloppy wet kiss, right? Oh, yeah. So, Gotta be. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I attach really quickly emotionally and it doesn't even matter, like not even necessarily in a romantic way, but maybe I'm just too... Um, too freely giving with my jung <laughs> but uh i just like yeah so i just i, I have Is that, that what you call it <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i uh i think i've learned to be quiet about that sure in myself you know um but i'm just like yeah now we're, we're now we're best friends now and like i i think i also make a joke about how um quickly a relationship can progress because a, a part of me really like, and I realized this in college, but like, it's so hard, like the older you get, you know, it's just harder to make friends. And so I miss like the freedom of just being like, Hey, we met on the playground. My name is KJ. My favorite color is blue. Let's be right. best friends now. And then you are like, yeah. the, the, you just are, you know? And so I, I miss that. And so I, I mean, I do make jokes like that because I think my heart yearns for that, like much simpler time. But also there is a level of me where I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're best friends now. I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm always ready to to do that. And I realize, like, I have, like, a lot of, like, warring ideas between my head and my heart. And so I think that's why it's, like, hard for me to express emotions properly because I'm so worried that if I were to give my heart time to say what it needs to say uh, and, like, get that all out there, it would not be good you'd be like you like whoever i was saying it to would be like hey, you should go see someone about that which you know maybe i should you know like yeah, I, arguably I that's that. like that's like if that's happening you probably should go see someone about that and i like i just don't have a ton of like the safest spaces or maybe i wouldn't make the right choice but you know whatever anyways i don't know that's like how i just feel like i get attached to things really quickly attached to people really quickly um even like almost in an unearned kind of way. Sure. Um, so I think that maybe that's where I experience it. But I also remember like, I don't know. I don't think this is necessarily like adoption trauma so much as it is just like the life cycle, the, the journey an adoptee can go on. As um, Like I just remember at one point putting aside all Korean-ness and all Asian-ness and just being like, nah, I'm just going to belong to my family. Like sure. I just made yeah. a, a choice mm-hmm. to turn that off because like it was just too hard to wrestle with all that stuff, you know? And, um, so yeah, and now we're back here wrestling with it again, but more, more publicly. I definitely think it's associated. I think I agree too, that I think for me is similar to you in any relationship, not even like romantic, but like friendships, yeah. like, you know, and that's for me is all about acceptance and just, I want to be like you said, unearned. Like, I'm just like, yes, we are best friends. Like, let's, I've maybe forgot your first name, but let's, like, I am your best friend now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that it's and it's like but then it's the fear the fear of losing that as, as quickly as i gain as i've gained it you know so mm. yeah i totally get that i also i think we said this in an interview maybe with tia like the word trauma carries so much baggage that i feel hesitant even using it but also like it is shared language instagram is maybe muddied the definition 
pretty significantly. Um, but I think that that's something that that is worth exploring and worth coming back to. Uh, obviously, none of us really need to spend a lot of time on it. It's literally our whole lives. But um, I think it's just interesting. Like it is worth it to highlight that part of ourselves and and talk about this because it's you know if we don't do this then um maybe we never will exactly and uh yeah and i think that it it is an important thing to explore and this podcast is a safe space for the three of us until we get doxxed on the internet uh in which case you know we'll probably just keep going (laughs) and ignore the haters but you know um yeah i appreciate having this brief discussion do any of you have any closing thoughts on adoption trauma in some like baby initial form in your life i mean there's a whole i feel like we could talk about this in multiple multiple episodes so i won't dive too much that's what i'm saying it, so. but just like kind of the like the initial this is like the well, a, a, a first step i feel like it, i mean it relates to a lot of different things like yeah. you know kind of we, right now we've been talking about you know relationships um you know, maybe personality traits, um, to a point. So I I think it can affect multiple things Mm. for sure. Uh, but I guess you just have to kind of, it's a part of it. I, luckily we, you know, have, uh, all of us, you know, still have good relationships with our, um, our adoptive parents. Um, but I know that that has been a trauma for some people where they do not have a, a good relationship with their parents. And, you know, that, in itself is, is, um, you know, part of trauma and part of, of their adoption. So, um, our stories being, you know, somewhat similar in that realm, I know there's a lot that are not like that. So, um, yeah, my heart goes out to a lot of you, a lot of, uh, adoptees out there that have more trauma and more situations, uh, that, you know, turned out unfortunate with, uh, with that. So, yeah, I don't think that, well, I think I get what you're saying, KJ, about it being, maybe watered down. I don't know if I would necessarily say trauma has been watered down. I think that there no, are, I just think it's been, like muddied. Yeah. I think that's because there's been so many people sharing so many different forms of trauma, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's what's helped me feel like I've am more comfortable to talk about it. And like yeah. embracing the journey of going through it is because I see so many other people sharing their traumas and, like definitely, like you said, Nathan, you know, there are people who I 100% recognize have a lot of different and potentially more significant trauma than I've mm-hmm. experienced or have had to deal with so far. And but I think at the end of the day, I think probably almost all of us have some form of trauma, some form of harm that we are trying to either come to terms with or or and some form of figure out Han and some form of Han. That we were trying to juxtapose with our Zhang. And some form of Han. With our Zhang. Is that right? Han. <laughs> yeah. I think it just blew my eardrum out. Um, nice. Ow, I have a headache now. Okay. That's, that's not good. Just going off my. Um, but yeah, I think there's just been so many new definitions. It, it's actually helped me uh, become more comfortable in the uncomfort of discussion or ha- of these discussions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's kind of the point of the show is just to learn to sit in gray areas well so um we're gonna escape the gray and take a break and when we come back we're jumping in with a food and or drink i never know but it's a surprise (laughs) we'll figure it out here we go escape the gray (laughs) welcome back to the john cheese show food or drink portion (laughs) and patrick laughing portion I don't know. I probably laugh every single time. Hooray! Every single time I roll in. Yeah, I think I do. I think I I do. I truly don't understand what you find so funny about it. Because it's different every time. It's like, I've never, it's always something different. I love it. That's why I'm laughing because it's so fun. Well, I am going to keep it different every time just for you, Patrick. I mean, I feel like there's only so many ways. And yet for (laughs) 77 episodes, you have surprised me. So uh, all expectations are out the window. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure now for the next 77 okay but we are back we just had our solo show and now we are going to try a drink because i've wanted to try this drink because it's been sitting in my refrigerator for a while (laughs) and that's that's thunderous applause that's the ice yes thunderous applause um we have done a lot of products 
that have Pororo on it. And this is another one. <laughs> he is just... <laughs> <laughs> he is everywhere. He okay, wait, I on. literally Let me give you your theme music. This might help. Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, if you go to H Mart, yes. Pororo, a penguin with a yellow hat, glasses, and friends. He enjoys drinking, eating, and long walks on the beach. <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to go with. I don't know. I just went for you to just talk normally. <laughs> oh, my. I had to pause. I had to mute my mic. Laughing so hard. Incredible. Yeah, okay. I like that you switched it when you when he turned the music on. You switched to your pilot voice. Yeah. Hey everybody, this is your captain speaking. Oh, <laughs> yellow hat. I don't even remember what you said. I was too busy laughing. Okay. So this is a drink made by Paul Doe, um, and it just looks like a. I mean, it just looks like a little sport drink with a little sports spout here. Although this is a little bit interesting, it says it's a blueberry flavor. It has uh, it says contains soy and milk, which I was a little surprised to see because I thought it looked like just like a grape juice drink, right? I mean, you can yeah, see through the top; purple. it's clear. I mean, it's pretty clear, so is I don't it? know how it contains oh. soy well, and it milk. Looks, but it looks like our old friend Milky Sue. Is that how you oh, say yeah, it? Milkus. Milkus. All right, so here's the directions. Remember what I said about that? Yeah, here's what the directions say. Twist the cap to open, take off the white lid, close the cap, and tip off the cover and pull up to drink. Yeah. I have a question. You call this a confusing. sport spout? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's just yeah. like a little little. I get, I get it, but I never heard I it called I do feel that like I just played a rec soccer game, and this is the treat afterwards, you know? Yeah. I, I don't so know what you would drink. call this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. this reminds me of like what oh, I would drink... Okay. Like, yeah, like a like in a sport game as a kid, you know, you drink the Capri Suns or the little things out of the uh, juice boxes or whatever. This is like the Korean juice box. Wait, is there like but a it's in a plastic bottle? I uh, thought he was being serious that he literally just played a game of the wreck and this was what no. was handed out afterwards. No, okay, <laughs> the, the, I get he was it. talking about I, the top. I, yeah. I when I was five, it's orange yeah. slices and grape pototo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was saying that <laughs> I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know that these were called sports spouts, if that's what it is i like it i didn't That's know that. that i will be calling it trademark all pending. right and trade and no more sports pending. talk sports about talk don't sports. anyone try to steal that from me but yeah so there's lots of different flavors we have the blueberry flavor let's go I missed. it's hard it's really hard to click oh apparently i queued it twice i know they have apple <laughs> oh, they got mango wait, did i hit infinite times i guess I did. now I, it's on i apologize loop. that should now, not have been infinite. now we're just obnoxiously in, interrupting I like it. Sorry, Dad. I'm having fun. (laughs) I don't know. Take a swig. Tell me what you think. All right, you said yours refrigerated, right? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a warm drink, and then I'm gonna do ice if I think I need ice. Mine has been refrigerated for the last, I feel, five months. So I've been trying to to have this uh, because a it expires in April, and b my kids keep asking, "Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I?" It it?" smells like grape. I'll say when I pop. It does smell like grape. I can smell some grape. Yeah. Like I said, there's other flavors. Apple, green grape, mango, strawberry. Um, oh, I feel like I just took like ugh, communion and cough syrup. <laughs> Wait, how do you get drink out of here? Pop the what? top a little. Dude, you got to. No, it's got, there's a plastic seal. You have yeah, to did you take, take it? I know, I took the seal, seal off. Yeah, and I then took the seal pop, off. Come pop on. the white, pop, pull the white part out a little. I did pull it out. It's like dripping out. Do you know out. how to use a water bottle? Yeah. <laughs> Literally just pour it into a drink. I'm just sucking on it like a drink, like a like a baby's bottle. Into a drink. Okay, now you're shaking it in your mouth like Tabasco. That does kind of taste like cough syrup. I actually don't hate it. That actually don't. I don't hate it. It's not as it's not as sweet as uh, the milkus. It looks like a pomegranate or pomegranate. I'm getting a bad smell. Just so you know, it is 0.3 percent juice. So. Nice. This is very healthy. I thought you were going <laughs> to say alcohol. I was like, tight. You could probably add this to vodka and it would probably, or soju. This would 100% taste. be good with yeah, any clear soju. liquor. Yep. I agree. Ooh, this would be good with soju. Right? A little grape soju with some grape uh, I got soju in my drink. fridge, I think. Or did I drink it all? I don't know. Okay. Remember. So let me read the other part that now that we were now mixing it with alcohol. Um, <laughs> it says it contains vitamin D and a children's health supplement. To help benefit growing children. So there's this that, is literally a children's drink. So yeah. yeah. 
Is that what you were laughing about earlier? Yeah, just because it's like <laughs> I bought you guys a children's drink, but I mean, granted, it has Pororo on it. So I could have told you that from the packaging. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I was running out of things to buy. So wait, are you saying that Pororo is for kids? Because I need to rethink my life if it is. <laughs> I just like penguins. <laughs> I don't hate it. It's pretty good. I like it. I could drink this probably after a sporting event. Oh yeah, I would have chugged this thing so quick in a sporting event. I bet your stomach would have hurt after said sporting event chugging. No. It does kind of remind me of Capri Sun with cough syrup. Right? Yeah. It's mm. like the cough syrup tastes, it actually tastes like one of those, it was like uh, one of those grape, like mint things, but they're not mints, like lifesavers. They're solid and they're like conclave in, kind of. I can't think of what they're called. Conclave? Like, like the Jedi conclave? Oh, a sweet tart. <laughs> like a sweet tart. And no, like uh, your your joystick controller. Like concave. The butt, like the, There's no L. Oh, did I say conclave? Yeah. Oh, I meant concave. <laughs> I was like, you know, like the gathering of people. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I meant concave. <laughs> I know what you meant. It was just a very funny. Oh, style. you got me. You got me. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't hate it. I mean, I wish it had more juice in it. You wish it had more juice. Yeah. And less, and less other artificial stuff. flavoring. How much more juice would you want? What would there, what would your perfect ratio be? Well, I feel like the standard Flip-flopped. American one's like 10%. So... But I thought you were going to say 100%. I want mine to be 95%. So, <laughs> yeah. If it was if it was 100%, then I'd, I'd allow my kids to drink it. <laughs> 0.3%. I don't know. Now we're just drinking Kool-Aid at this point. That's so, true. That's it's true. just sugar water. But hey, like I said, I don't hate it. KJ's what? face is not I know. I'm, I'm going to give KJ the first rating here because he yeah. seems to be less uh, enthusiastic. Well, okay. So here's the deal. Um, and this is no, by no fault of the drink. Either the ice or the glass smells like rotten eggs. Ooh. So okay. that's kind of hard. Understandable. But like the the warm drink was fine. It did not smell once I poured it, it in. Must be the ice smell. So yeah. Since last I don't time know. you changed your ice maker machine out. Uh, I didn't know that that was a thing that I could do. So this is the first time I've ever like lived as an adult with an ice maker. So there you go. Uh, anyways, you can tell me how to be an adult later uh, at KJ Rilke, wherever I want to be found on the internet. Um, anyways, I think that the drink itself is pretty good, but the further away I get from drinking it, the more I get that like cough syrupy aftertaste. So I don't love that. Uh, overall, I would give it a four. That seems fine. Uh, and I bet kids would love it. So yeah, four, four for me, five for the kids. Okay. Patrick, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Actually, I don't hate it. I could drink it, but there's just something about it that I don't know. I, I can't place my, my finger on, and I just really hope that at some point I can figure out what it is and maybe I can bump it back up. Nathan said there was a bunch of other flavors, so maybe if I tried another flavor, I would have a better rating. But for right now, I'm going to go with three and a half. Wow. There you go. That's <laughs> what nice. you get for giving it a sad rating. You're like, yeah, oh, no. that's, that's not as good as we hoped. All right. <laughs> Oh, well, I went with the with the theme that came on. You yeah, shifted no. my mood. After you said three and a half, and I was like, hmm. Oh, okay. So I played, yeah. with, I played it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably give it a four as well. I would probably give it a five with uh, soju. And Ooh. Oh, that's a good point. I'll give it a four and a half with soju. Would you give it a flavored soju, or would you just go for oh. the regular soju? Either, but flavored would just, you know, double it up. Yeah, I feel like that'd be too much grape, though. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a regular soju would help uh, flatten out the other taste that I'm tasting that's making it a three and a half. Or maybe think, it would increase the other out. taste that you're Ooh, tasting. Ooh, that is true. It could make it a two. Because so. I go by one and a half increments, apparently. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yep. Well, that was our review of Pororo's blueberry-flavored drink. Aldo. Blueberry-flavored? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it says blueberry flavor. Yeah, because it's grape flavored. Blueberry. It's it, yeah. It's it could be both. I would say this is on the border of blueberry. It could or grape. be both. <laughs> no. No. In what world blueberry, could it be both? Grape. It tastes only like grape. Purple fruit. Whatever. It's all artificial. Wow. It longs to be something other than what it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow alright I'm getting silly with the soundboard which means it's probably time to wrap up Nathan where can people find us 
We can find us at the John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. You can find us at John Chi Show else.com. Uh, John Chi Show on Spotify, Apple, all the, Wherever you all get the your places, podcast. everywhere you get your podcast. I always hate that. Everyone always says it like that. It's like, you can be found wherever you get your podcast. I was like, thank but you. I figured it, as much. It's true. It is true. But <laughs> well, some people are only on here, certain places. We're not out here promoting the iHeartRadio app or the sure. John Chi Show app. We're just saying. You don't wanna, just, and you yeah, don't want to list 50 here in places. The world. I, I get yeah. it. It's just that cliche saying. So just, you know, enjoy. And uh, um, <laughs> I'm Ed Nowak on uh, Instagram. I'm at Patrick in the world on Instagram. Uh, and I am at KJ Relke sporting a new profile photo on most places on the internet. Uh, I did you can go to slash support to find out how you can support the show. We'd love it if you dropped a rating or review. Um, you can call in to a number that I will put in the show notes. I can say oh, it right now. I have oh, it right here. Nice. Yeah. 972-677-8867. Nice. Give us a so, call. That give was us my a call if you want to yeah, if you want to weigh in on anything that we've been talking about, if you want to shout out something that we you think that we should talk about in the next solo, um Ooh, yeah, that'll like be that. that would be fantastic. Topics. So, yeah, uh, I think that's it, right? I think that's it. Great right? until Sounds good. N- oh. That did not work. That was entirely the wrong one anyways. Uh, was that the HBO? Uh, nope. The, the original HBO uh, <laughs> her title card? What a bummer. Okay, well, okay. I guess I have to put that in at the end. Until Static. next week, Janji Heyo! Heyo! Bye! Bye.